0: Well, welcome to the latest edition of the ASA podcast with me, Dr. Chris Keel. I know I'm supposed to say this is keeping it real with Dr. Keel, but gosh, that's just so markety, I'm not sure I can stand it. So anyway, I wonder what we'll talk about this week, given the fact that the entire world is now focused on things like Russia invading Ukraine and commodity prices and oil and the end of the world there is an awful lot of people that are standing on the ledge right now waiting to leap off so where are we really and what are the circumstances that we're facing short term medium term long term so not that we have all the answers as a matter of fact i'm quite sure that if i did this tomorrow it's going to be completely different from what i did today but here's where we stand so far The world had basically decided to cut Russia off even before governments started doing it. So Biden made the decision not to import any more Russian oil. But to be honest, most of the oil importers had already gone there. And that's basically what's going on in Europe as well. The European countries have not formally decided not to import Russian oil. But it's kind of a moot point because the big oil buyers aren't buying it. There's kind of a a different pattern this time. The politicians on both the European and American side have been a little reluctant to go full tilt against Russia because they were concerned that the average person wasn't going to be that sympathetic to Ukraine and was not willing to put up with a lot of pain over something that was... Considered distant and geopolitical. That turned out not to be the case. I mean, Ukraine is like the darling of the media right now. Zelensky is as popular as probably he has ever been in his life. And the voters in Europe and in the United States are pushing the politicians to do something. So all of a sudden, you sort of have this willingness on the part of the population to put up with some pain in return for sticking it to Putin. So how long that lasts, it's hard to say. People talk a good show until they start showing up for 4 and $5 a gallon gas. So something like 70% of Russian oil now does not have a market. There's no place they can sell it. The Chinese have been talking about trying to pick up some of the slack and buy Russian oil. But the Chinese have done this kind of thing before. Remember when they were sort of undermining the sanctions we had against Iran. China will do things like this, but only if it benefits China. And they're coming back to Russia saying, yeah, we'll buy your oil at an incredibly steep discount. There were rumors going around that China was offering Russia 40 bucks a barrel when it's selling for 140 bucks a barrel kind of like China saying, so don't sell it to us, sell it somewhere else. Oh yeah, you can't. You're going to sell it to us at whatever we want to pay. So that's that's kind of the story. We are seeing a lot of attempts to sort of get oil production back up into higher numbers, but that's not instantaneous. It's not like there's a spigot that you can turn on and suddenly oil starts flowing. We're negotiating with Iran. We're negotiating with Venezuela. We're trying to get access to that oil. But that's not something that would come online even in a matter of weeks. This is probably months before we start to see that. We are getting a lot more from Canada, uh, but we always do. One of the questions that's been asked is that, you know, I thought the U.S. was the biggest oil producer, and I thought we were the biggest oil exporter Why are we even worrying about imports? I didn't think we needed imports anymore. Well, we do and we don't. I mean, we're both the world's biggest producer and the world's biggest consumer. We consume around 20 million barrels of oil per day. We produce around 18 million barrels of oil a day. So we've got about a 4 million barrel per day deficit depending on the time of year. You know, sometimes we are not up against that limit. Sometimes we are. And it just kind of depends on consumption. One of the things that will happen when oil prices get this high is demand falls. So we're going to see people drive less. We're going to see people get more oriented towards conservation, and that consumption number may come down a bit. We predominantly import from, like I said, Canada. We get a lot from Mexico. We get some from the Middle East and North Africa, depending on pricing. I mean, it's the refineries on the East Coast that are buying oil from overseas because it's cheaper than trying to get it pipelined from the Midwest to the East Coast. So a lot of variability in terms of, of where... The oil comes from. We normally will only import around 8% of our total from Russia. The critical thing is that we get a few things from Russia that we don't get from anywhere else or haven't. Um, there's a variety of derivatives that they produce because their refineries are set up to do it that we then use to make it easier to refine the oil that's coming out of the North Dakota fracking operations. That oil is a lighter crude and it requires some additives for the U.S. refineries to be able to handle it. And it's those additives often that we are importing from Russia more than it is pure crude. So, Lisa, I mean, you guys know better than most. This is a complicated area. I mean, energy is not simple and it's going to be affecting everything from the crude oil prices to refined product and jet fuel and everything petrochemicals all the things that go into the products that you buy and you make so you've got sort of that follow-on impact short term we've got a mess i mean we don't have enough oil to meet demand russia is the third largest oil producer in the world Excluding them from the market means it has to be replaced. Medium term, it finds replacements. We will be able to pull oil from other parts of the world. We will see stepped up production in the United States. You've heard a lot of conversation lately about, well, you know, we're going to get the Keystone pipeline going. Well, yeah, that's true. Pipelines don't produce oil. They transport oil. The critical thing right now is production. And the Keystone isn't nearly as important as it once was because we get all the oil transportation we need by rail. The issue is production. Where do we get more crude? Where do we get more refined fuel? Where do we get more petrochemicals? And it's going to take anywhere from three months to six months for that production to kind of kick into gear. So, best estimate, we start to see more of that hit the market by mid-summer, late summer, and maybe by the end of the year, we start to see a little bit of of rationality coming back to the oil markets. Those prices are not going to go back down to what they were even a year ago. I mean, we were looking at prices in the 80s and 70s it's very likely that they're going to stay at least in the 80s, 90s, and perhaps over 100. They'll come down off the current peak, but that's still going to take a month or so. Natural gas is a whole nother conversation. The Europeans are paying ridiculous prices for natural gas, and of course that cascades over into the U.S. as well. So it's a rough ride for probably another quarter or two. One of the things that we have to be aware of when we look at bigger issues like inflation is that 70% of the inflation we're dealing with right now is propelled by energy. So if you took energy out of the equation, our inflation rate is barely 3%. So in a lot of other sectors, we haven't seen price increases. But if it's commodity-based, the prices are going up. We're seeing it in obviously oil and petrochemicals, but we're seeing it in agriculture. We're seeing it with wheat and corn. We're seeing it with lumber. So the commodities markets are driving inflation right now. Wages will start driving it harder later this year. We've just started seeing these big wage hikes, and right now they're not playing a huge role economy-wide. Obviously, are for some businesses that are already paying those higher prices, But towards the end of the year, those wage hikes begin to percolate through the entire economy. So right now, inflation is heavily oriented towards energy. It begins to broaden a little as the year goes on, and we start to see more activity coming out of the wage side. The one thing we're not worried about right now is money supply, which is generally what the Fed is oriented towards. That was a problem last year, not as much of a problem this year. So, how's that for a cheery podcast? Um, if you are planning a summer driving trip, at this point, I would go to the end of your driveway, turn around, and come back. Um, that's about all you'll be able to afford. But maybe by the end of the year, you can take that trip to Vail. You know, you never know. So, with that, I'm going to quit, and maybe next week things will be a little less chaotic, maybe even a little better news. Thanks.